Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. What's up? I'm Dick Machinko. Oh, this just in. I'm Brian Butterfield. Hi Brian, how you doing? Hi, I'm great, thanks. How are you, Dick? Yes, doing okay. Doing okay. Feeling a bit stuffy today, which I'm sure is fine. Um, right. I was vaccinated recently. Mm, yeah. And uh, got to get rid of those, you know communist covid cells that are in my bloodstream those tiny little ones they're not they're not as big as regular covid covid ones they give you little baby covids and you can fight them off a bit easier i think that's that's how that's how vaccines work right you get a baby covid yeah yeah i think so Mm. little one yeah Yeah. but dick don't stand for that dick don't want that communist virus so gotta gotta get rid of it um there's a few assholes still twitching in there exactly check the bodies yeah Precisely. So this is our video game podcast. As we mentioned last week, Ben and Peter have gone away for a month because they both are big losers Mm. and quite frankly don't deserve to be anywhere near anything on Triple Jump for at least one calendar month. Uh, We're Ben and Peter and we worked really hard over E3 and we want four weeks off because we worked so hard. Cry me a flipping river. Stupid, pathetic baby men. That's Mm. what they are. And I'm glad to see the back of them, quite frankly. Yeah. Leave the leave the real journalism to us. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the war criminal and the news correspondent. Mm-hmm. That's what that's you need. Who, that's who it should be on this video game podcast. We are, of course, sponsored each and every episode by a wonderful, very generous sponsor. I believe Brian has the ad read there. Yep, I've got it here. We are so lucky to be able to break this as official news. Um, I mean, of course, I've been doing it for many, many years, breaking of big course, stories. Yeah, but uh, we, we've been given a very special opportunity here to confirm something that has long been rumoured. I say long, I mean for about a week. Coming soon to the PlayStation and eventually PC, abandoned, colon, Silent Hills. It's... Um, Whoa. There's, there's been a whole pretense about who's actually developing this and stuff, and it's it's all just been done to throw us off. They've hired actors to like actually go online and say, "Hey, I'm not affiliated with Hideo Kojima." It's I'm not on Caravan. It's not Caravan. true. Yeah, no, no, absolutely names. not. This is a Hideo Kojima game coming from Kojima Studios or whatever his production company is called. Yep. Yeah, Productions. Uh, it doesn't say on the ad read for some reason, which you'd think that would be mentioned on there. You would but, have thought, uh, yeah, another misdirect. Uh, but it, it's coming officially. Silent Hills, 
um, the PT game that was cancelled. Norman Reedus is in it. It's all it's all true. Wow. I can't believe we're getting that scoop, which is quite nice to have, actually, because I was worried if we were going to sort of cover this tumultuous story on the podcast, it would already sort of be out of date because we're recording earlier this week on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. The episode doesn't go out until Friday. And then, of course, the big abandoned sort of live demo thing was going on uh, on PlayStation on Friday. So yeah. we miss any any breaking developments. So they, we've got it now. We know it's confirmed. It is a Hideo Kojima game. It's confirmed uh, uh, that the Silent Hills subtitle is in fact a lie. Oh, what? Oh, I got yeah, I got you there. Um, that was basically my way of, as you say, actually trying to cover this in some way. Uh, and for once, the the fact that the sponsor is a lie is in itself true. In that it's not true that Abandoned <sighs> is a Silent Hill game. Seemingly, yeah. that's what we've been told, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. is an actual news story that's being reported right now. That it's not Silent Hill or Silent Hills. So there you go. In a very roundabout way, I just gave you an actual bit of news there. Wow. I mean, I'm devastated that it's not real because part of me hoped that it was. Mm. But what if, um, what if it does turn out to be true though? What if the whole thing is, as I just reported it falsely? a big a big bait and switch and that it really is part of the series he's like oh I've, i have no affiliations with hideo kojima no. uh, yeah sure you don't sure you don't what if it's a big uh kojima crime again? it could be yeah and like he, he did it with metal gear solid 5 he he bamboozled all of us what if yeah, he's done it again it's true he could have done we'll see we'll find out we um, won't we won't know until next week, and then everyone will have already known for no, a week. Oh, no. Ridiculous. Well, you know, use Google and find out and look up this abandoned theories because it's flipping bonkers. It's been really fun to follow. Are you looking forward um, to getting the trailer app? I don't know that I will, <laughs> no, but I'll certainly, I'll certainly read about what other people have discovered in it. Yeah, yeah. It's a strange way to do it, but you know, like good luck to them. I was going to say hats almost off to them. Almost Kojima-esque, isn't it? It is How almost Kojima-esque. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very weird. Mm. But there we go. We've that's nice, even though that's fake, which makes me very sad. Mm. And it's not a real sponsor. We have at the very least covered it and acknowledged it on this podcast now. Yeah. So that's that's done. We've we've spoken about it. Now it's time to talk about. Our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump who are the real sponsors of this podcast where and if you go there sorry for as little as one dollar per month you can support us and get access to the podcast questions post and submit questions for this podcast that's sounded, where we source them from sounds a little bit like you said you can support us then um well you can do that too. you can do that if you like yeah we can spend the money however we want mm, yeah. we don't spend the money to be clear it goes to the company we 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 have no dealings with the money. Uh, Dick, talking about spending money, mm. what are your thoughts on um, virtual money, such as Minecoin, and um, you know, like credit on your own respective game platforms of choice? I think it's flipping brilliant. Me too. Hello everyone, as well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. Here you can get everything from toys.
topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass, and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions, as well as Minecraft Mine Coins. <laughs> mine Coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, please. Yeah, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us, and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Wonderful. Well, there you go. That's that's what that's that's the way to do it, as they say in the the Punch and Judy the Punch and Judy. Uh, 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 I want to say poems, but that's not the right word. Plays, okay. puppet right? shows. I'm I'm great. Yeah, yeah. You sure. That's the way to do it. And then he okay. hits her over the head. It's not really. It's aged very badly, hasn't it? Um, I don't think it was very funny at the time. No, no. It was quite scary, actually. It was, but they used to think it was funny. They, the people of history in the olden days. Yeah, as um, long as they, the wizards, were enjoying it, then mm, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's time for question one here. Yes. Uh, this is from Christopher Ridge, uh, who says, Dick, I sincerely hope your petition for a Rogue Warrior remaster gets picked up, as that masterpiece deserves modern players. But Brian... If you were to pick a similarly classic game for a totally serious and definitely not cheeky remaster, what would it be? Well, mm. thank you, Christopher Ridge, for your question there. Um, for those of you who haven't who haven't noticed on social media, uh, my colleague here, Dick Mychinko, has been pushing yep. for um, a, uh, a remaster for Rogue Warrior. It's not your petition, though, is it? As far as I could see, someone else started it, right? No, it's not mine. It, it it started four years ago. Yeah, uh, they wanted the the game to be available on modern platforms. Uh, by which I mean, at the time, obviously, it was Xbox One and PS4. Mm. And uh, the petition, I think they needed two hundred and fifty signatures. They got to about a hundred, but then they posted again on it a, a few weeks ago, which is how I saw it. Oh, nice! Just saying, we're not going to let this die. <laughs> please, please share it around and and tweet with the hashtag. I think Rogue Forever or something. Yeah, something like that. Save of Dick. Course, save Save Dick. Of course, I'm very partial to that game as I star in it. Mm. Um, and it was sort of my brainchild. Mickey Rourke did a fantastic job bringing my character to life. But yeah, if you um, if you go to my Twitter, Dick Machinko's Twitter is what it's yeah. called, then you'll be able to find the uh, the Change dot org petition, and you can sign it. And I'm sure. Microsoft will get right on it. Well, I mean, I think it's quite fitting, really, that... Uh, well, I think my my choice of game for a remaster is quite fitting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the Rogue Warrior game features you, Dick Mychinko, in some yeah. way, shape, or form, played by Mickey Rock, of course, but it is basically you. Likewise, I'd really like to see a return for Michigan Report from Hell. Okay. Are you What's aware this? of this game? No. I have only ever come across this game in um, a, a list or two about terrible voice acting because it's got terrible voice acting in it. It's right. a PS2 game. Uh, it was developed by Grasshopper Manufacture and okay. uh, published published by 505 Games. Um, and it was actually directed by Akira Ueda, um, who is, is famous for... Uh, he did... He's sort of worked on some Final Fantasy stuff, I think. And um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, he was in... He he did... Oh, I'm going to have to Google this now. I, I don't know. 
He's done some like DS, like JRPG stuff. Um, but uh, here we go. Okay. Oh yeah, I've never heard of this. I knew that he'd like he'd he'd led s- stuff later in his career. Sakura Note Imani Sunagaru Mirai is of a. Of course, it's one of my favorites. It's a Nintendo DS game. Anyway, um, uh, he went on to do great things, as you can see. Uh, so uh, it's you pl- you play the game from behind a camcorder so you are a cameraman for a news crew right and that's my vested interest in this game uh coming back um and uh you are investigating paranormal goings on for the fictional zakar tv and uh as much as it's you know very much an interesting if slightly cheesy uh, mystery game um, and you know there are sort of monsters in it and kind of weird weird zombie things you know that that's all well and good but as I say it's really all about the voice acting I don't know if maybe I'll make a note of the timestamp James can insert a uh, uh, a little snippet of voice acting for us I can find it for him and just send it over so let's let's have a little listen you know Dr. O'Connor too? Where is he? That Dr. O'Connor is so mean. Poking and prodding a guy's body like he was nothing. And when I woke up, he was gone too. He left me all alone. What the heck is going on? That explains it. That smell wasn't this toilet. It was a dead body. And, 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 oh my God. Oh, brilliant. Well, I mean... That was terrible. That was awful, wasn't it? Wasn't that terrible? Uh, So that's what I think should come back. You know, you've got your game. I've got my game. There aren't many games where you get to play as a news reporter. Um, Not in such an overt way anyway, where you're literally carrying a camera around filming stuff. Um, So so that's what I want. That's what I want being made. That sounds Um, exciting. I hope it happens for you. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, it was apparently designed by Goichi Suda, who worked on Killer Seven. Oh, Suda Fifty One, Suda. Suda Fifty One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, he I'm also assuming. helped. Yeah, he also helped develop games in the Fire Pro Wrestling and Twilight Syndrome series. Okay, well, I've heard of one of those. Yeah, me too. Big uh, Twilight Syndrome fan. Yeah. So there you go. That's um, it's a game with with big names behind it who have questionable uh, libraries of work that we don't necessarily know much about. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, there we are. Hopefully, those two games come out very soon. I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. Me too. Brian, it's time to move on to a section that we've never done before. It's no. called "What We Play In." Oh. It's what we play in time. Brian, what are you playing? I've certainly never done this section before. You might have done, but uh, it's all Did new to me. Did you not do me. it last week? Uh, yeah. Last, yeah? Just no. Were we, were we here last week? I've forgotten. Did yeah, we? you were, but you're old as hell, so that... You know, that yeah, I, well, it's all... Yeah, it's all quite confusing. Um, okay, well, yeah. I've done it once then, I guess. Um, so I have uh, been continuing with the Dark Alliance on the hardest difficulty. I'm getting near the end, but oh boy, that game gets pretty difficult on difficult mode. Um, you are just constantly mashing the health potion button, and that's not 
me just using an exploit or just being cheap by buying loads of health potions. That's actually how the game was designed. Um, so I'm still having fun. I think a lot of people who aren't into that game or you know don't have the nostalgia factor associated with it would by now be very, very bored of it. So if you picked up Dark Alliance for the first time with the, the re-release that came out recently... Uh, wouldn't necessarily recommend playing it through hard mode or and then extreme mode, which is even harder, um, mm-hmm. which I've not unlocked yet. Uh, but I am enjoying it, so that's the important thing. Um, yes. But the other thing I've been playing, I've not played any um, Ratchet and Clanks. Well, actually, no, I have. I played a little bit since we last recorded the the podcast, but not very much because I got distracted as of Monday by the Halo Three multiplayer on steam um Ooh. i installed halo 3 for uh for my live streams and i had a really good f- fun time playing through the first kind of i don't know maybe first third of it first quarter uh on stream and it felt really good to just have a controller in my hand and, and be playing as halo 3 master chief again because i used to play a lot of that when i was a a young news reader of eight at age i don't know 14 something like that so 40. Aged 14. Aged 40, yeah, 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 a long right. time ago. Um, so that, it, yeah, it felt like, oh, wow, I'm back. I've got this in my hands. All the muscle memory is still there. I know mm-hmm. how, you know, the the pros and cons of all these guns. I know how to jump around and use the weird momentum in that game. Um, so I thought, I'm going to, you know what? I'm about to do it. I don't care that you broke your elbow. And I'm going to oh, install Halo 3 multiplayer and play some. And uh, a few nights this week, I've actually sat at my desk instead of on the sofa and played some Halo 3. It does really make me want to just buy a, an Xbox Series S, though, and be able to play it from the comfort of a sofa. But, be comfortable. Yeah. yeah but uh, at least for now, with the novelty of like you know being back playing playing a game I really enjoyed in my well not my teen years, my forties. Uh, mm-hmm. It's. Uh, that that alone is enough to carry it and I, I don't have to worry too much about the fact that I'm sitting at a desk I mean I'm used to sitting at a desk of course it's what, it's what I do all the time the news desk right yeah um, no naturally yeah so it's it's my natural habitat uh, so I'm I'm not struggling too much but uh, yeah I I don't think I'll keep playing it as on the regular now um, but if I had a Series S I bet I would be playing a lot of it so I'm inching ever closer I think um but I, I really ought to put it down and carry on with Ratchet and Clank because I was really enjoying that and I've, it's kind of fallen by the wayside this week a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Uh, what have you nice. been playing, Dick? I haven't been playing a great deal. In fact, I hadn't played anything until last night because I, I went away for the weekend, which mm-hmm. was really nice. Got to see my dad for Father's Day. Oh. Um, he's just as violent as me. Mm-hmm. He's done... Three more war crimes than I have. Wow, I'm gonna beat that record, Mister Mychinko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's he's Dick Senior. Dick Senior. Oh, big Dick, Dick. Senior. Yeah, big Dick. Big yeah, Dick exactly. Mychinko. And um, so th- I, I was away. I didn't really get to play anything until last night, where I sat down and I started up finally one of my favorite ever games, Mass Effect Two. Oh yes. And God, it's so good. It's like, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 1, playing that through, even though it has some pretty notable issues. 
And it just feels like Mass Effect 2 is night and day better, like just so streamlined, the mechanics are so much easier, the inventory, the leveling up, the menus, everything is just so much slicker. And it, I'm not going to spoil it because I know a lot of people are playing through it for the first time now, but I, I played about three hours last night and it's sort of, the first game is, even though you can be sort of paragon or renegade in terms of being a goodie or a baddie in your responses, you're very much... Commander Shepard, the boy or girl, scout, uh, in that you, you, you're you a good alliance military commander and you will get the job done no matter what. Whereas in this one, you're more of sort of like a, a pariah. People don't want to deal with you. You're going to seedy places trying to assemble a team. It's very sort of original trilogy Star Wars, very mm. grungy and stuff. I think that's, you're, you're I believe, having inherited the memories and Yes. Emotions of Peter Austin. You're also a big Star Wars fan. Mm. Um, that certainly to me, and you can correct me or 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 agree if you will, uh, that certainly seemed to me what people enjoyed so much about Rogue One is that it, it, it evoked that period yeah. and those feelings of sort of like a grungy, desperate mission against all odds kind of thing. And that's mm. very much the feeling that I get from the certainly the beginning of Mass Effect 2 while you're going around and you've got sort of like the skeleton crew on your on your ship and the Normandy's been completely redesigned to be far easier to get around. You still get tired when you run across a room, but it's not quite as noticeable anymore. The powers recharge faster. It, the lighting is just um, so much better, even though Mass Effect 1 has had quite the overhaul graphically and the remaster. 2 just looks so much better. Mm -hmm. And... Man, I'm so invested. I love it. I, I, I flip and love this game so much, and it's immediately all come flooding back as to why, and it's such a joy to re-experience it. And uh, I love this game. Mass Effect 2, so good. So, so good. That's great. That's that's both of us playing games from roughly the same era of our respective yeah. childhoods. I was and, in my 30s then. Yeah, of course you were. In, um, uh, yeah. You'd fought Still a couple of wars already. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple of wars under my belt, but yeah. um, mm. now, now, now I train the next generation. But I'm still dangerous. Whoa, steady don't on. you don't you forget about that? Still a dangerous man. <sighs> just just because I'm playing Mass Effect Two in my pants doesn't mean that I'm not dangerous. So. Yeah, don't anyone twitch around him because he'll he'll deal with you straight away. I'll check your body. Yeah, oh. Mike, check one too. Please do. Be careful, but that's all I've been playing. Not not a great deal. No, yeah, well that's 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 fine. That's all you need sometimes. Um, it's time for question two. Mm. Would, would you like to read it to us, Mister Machinko? Yes, of course. This is from Stuart Studios, who says, "Dear Brian and Dick, and well done by the way, all question askers for being very up to speed mm. and yeah. uh, addressing us by the correct name." Dear Brian and Dick, with the Resident Evil Netflix show coming out in two weeks and the Last of Us HBO Max TV show in development, our show slash limited series, The Future of Video Game Adaptations. We haven't exactly had a good track record of video game movies, so I'm wondering if a show might allow for deeper exploration of the world slash characters than a two-hour film might. Sorry for the weird wording. I had no clue how to phrase this question. <laughs> you did a great job, Stuart. It's great, Stuart. Thank you very much. You'll live for now. Um... That's a good question. Uh, we've we've talked on and off. Well, we haven't actually. Triple Jump as a, a whole entity has talked in the past about um, movies and TV shows, video game adaptations in previous podcasts. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I would say that certainly 
a TV show is better than a film in terms of adaptation and not necessarily just because of overall runtime. I think obviously it does help you to explore something much deeper over, you know, six hours or 12 hours rather than two hours, no question. Um, But more in terms of um, the way it's divided up. So rather than having to fill a two-hour experience with the right kind of... um, narrative progression of you know conflict resolution and uh the stakes going up and down and and various things happening you know there's a there's kind of a way that you pace a film which is different to how you would pace a series as a whole because it helps to have individual episodes i think when you're dealing with a video game because typically uh, you know a game like the last of us for example it it works in a kind of uh you know, objective-based way in that you're you're maybe making your way through a certain area um, and a, a kind of mini, a, a mini kind of objective presents itself, presents itself. Like, yes, you're still working towards uh, getting to the Fireflies, but like there and then it's like, oh, we're stuck in this abandoned building and there's loads of clickers here. What are we going to do? And then, you know, you move on and, oh, we've encountered these other survivors and we're going to go and stay with them. And, oh, no, the house we're in is going to get attacked or whatever. Um, And you can just see how each of those uh, sort of episodes within a certain game will equate very well to an actual episode of a TV show uh, and trying to get all of those little moments into a movie it can't be done you have to streamline it you have to lose a lot of um lose a lot of the story and the sort of smaller happenings um of course that's not to say that either a, t- a, a a movie or a TV show based on a video game should be like for like and include you know everything that happened in the game story wise but at least if you go with the TV show format it allows you to do that if you want to do it you know i think um like in uncharted you go to lots of different places uh, across an entire an entire run well not in uncharted one actually it's mostly stays in the same place but uh mm-hmm. you know various different things happen to to drake across each given game and again you could uh you could fit those into individual episodes rather than just having to do a sort of one long kind of indiana jones movie and squeeze it all into two hours um so yeah i think the video game uh tv adaptation works very well in terms of breaking up the story into smaller parts much like a video game itself does you know i think they're they're more like for like yeah no i agree i think i would still be keen to see a good video game movie mm. if, if such a thing were possible but Stuart is right there haven't really been that many at all our every video game movie ranked from worst to best video should prove that the top scoring ones were you know like sonic the hedgehog which by all accounts is fine you know yeah it's not a world beater but it i suppose it doesn't have to be and also was it rampage with rampage dwayne johnson there. detective pikachu detective Pi- detective pikachu-, pikachu was fun to be fair mm. and um the tomb raider film with alicia vikander the one from yeah. a few years ago those were like the top ones and it's like well those are they're fine but like god video games are so much better than those films yeah that yeah we sort of entered the the quote-unquote golden age of tv about a decade ago with breaking bad and game of thrones when it was good you know and there were always shows like this before 
that that paved the way but certainly we never got them at, at quite such a rate um as as we did from from about a decade ago and it's still sort of persisting to this day where you do sort of get mini series or a series of a show that where the episodes are an hour long and they tell these grand stories and they're they're sort of really good engaging engrossing works of, of fiction that you just sort of can't look away from and if you if you could binge you would but it's probably a good idea that those episodes are released once a week because god they're long mm. and each one is essentially a mini movie and that's definitely the way to do a video game or at least to adapt a video game as as you said Brian you get to cover way more ground um you know who, who's to say that the last of us HBO show and that the game is split into different seasons who's to say each episode couldn't cover a different season and it is essentially yeah. a mini movie about what happened in spring for mm. example as they make their way through um Castlevania made a very successful jump to a Netflix show and animated I think is another thing to to consider as well yeah, video games actually. work very well animated um because you don't have to worry so much about uh casting of actors and physical sets and making it look the part when you can just animate the whole thing and a few other shows are going that way as well i think splinter cell is also animated Mm -hmm. and that's been confirmed but to compare it to something that isn't a video game i think marvel have done it to great effect recently with their three shows that they've had on disney plus so far where they've successfully adapted the immensely successful cinematic universe where you would get maybe two hours with with a superhero uh, to sort of a six-episode-long, each-episode-an-hour-long series for for a few of their heroes. And it's, it's worked great because they've been able to explore way more mm. than they would do otherwise. And I don't know enough about the budgets of TV shows versus films, but I'm assuming when you take into consideration advertising and marketing for films, because they are made available in the cinema, and then they go to DVD and streaming services and stuff and you've got all the merch and so on and you need to you need to make that money back whereas i feel and again this is speaking from a place of ignorance perhaps as a tv show there's less pressure to having to make all of the budget back through ticket sales and stuff like that Mm. if it's just on a streaming service and it's it's supplemented the income is supplemented in other ways perhaps it's a safer route as well um and inherently, yeah, I think video games are so complicated and uh, they because their runtime is so much. And I know that's the case for books as well. But books have just had a... <laughs> the success rate of books to movies is way higher than video games to movies. And yeah. I'm very keen. But again, like the track record isn't necessarily there for TV shows yet. We've had a few success stories, but I think certainly The Last of Us with the people that are coming on board to run it will be will be the proof mm. i think that that tv shows can work because resident evil i think is sort of a soft reboot of the of the movie franchise which i never really got into and not so much the game the last of us is sort of a, a standard bearer for video games anyway as a medium yeah and true. um again with the people involved in running the show i would i'd be very interested if this really works then yes this is the way this is the way to do it and there are so many uh, Ubisoft Netflix shows coming. They've done a big push now. I I couldn't even begin to name all of them. Um, I mean, you talked about Splinter Cell already, but uh, there's there's Far Cry. There's talk of a Watch Dogs one. I don't know if that's been officially revealed yet, but that's that's rumored. Um, 
oh, there are there are a whole bunch, and I can't even think of that many of them for some reason. But uh, Ubisoft Netflix shows, I'm going to look them up. Um, okay. But it, they seem to have been deli- doing a deliberate um, push, and I think they've you know they've got a, a deal going on there with Netflix, saying, "Hey, here's all of our IP. Um, you know, what are you what are you going to do with it all?" Um, but yeah, we've there is there is Far Cry. Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, a, a, a Cuphead show apparently, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and Beyond Good and Evil. I forgot about that one. I don't know how I forgot about that one, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's in the works. Um, but so there's a lot coming, and uh, it will either. Uh, I think you're right that kind of The Last of Us will be a big. Uh, it'll be one to prove that yeah, this is the way we can go. Um, I we I think we can only hope then that we don't then get inundated with a load of Netflix um Ubisoft uh based shows that perhaps somewhat undo some of the hard work that The Last of Us might do. Oh Assassin's Creed as well is one that is mm-hmm. is being talked about. Yeah, there's a there's a whole load of them. Uh but yeah, we've got to hope that we don't then just get a big bloated dump of Ubisoft shows that uh maybe don't live up to the what the the high quality we're maybe expecting from the last yeah. of us, um, and sort of undo some of that good work, but uh, maybe they'll all be really good. These uh, Ubi, Ubisoft ones, so yeah, maybe who knows? I think it's a safer bet. You're you're less likely to miss with a TV mm. show, a short TV show, than you are with a a multi million dollar film. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, we will see. Resident Evil coming very soon and uh, Last of Us hopefully not too long after. Looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing that. Shall we move on to something a little strange? Yes, let's. A bit peculiar, maybe something called weird. Weird news! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Weird news time. It's time for some strange video game news. Brian, what video game news do you have this week? Oh, I'm in my natural habitat. Um, yeah. This this is very meta weird news. It's about as meta as you can get. But two people sent this to me on Twitter. Uh, Tie-Dye Mama at Tie-Dye Girl 32 and Richard Major at Major 86 who I think has also asked a question later on in the uh, the podcast. So really Richard Major holding up this podcast almost single-handedly at this point. Um, Commanding officer in the in the same damned forces that I was in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so thank you to both of those people who sent this. Don't know if you saw this yourself, Dick, on the on your Twitter feed or whatever recently. Um, Kotaku posted this article. The title is "Video Game Article." Uh, the little <laughs> headline is "A minimum of fifty characters to encapsulate the article for SEO purposes." This was written by John Walker. Published mm-hmm. on Friday at 10.30 a.m. Here we go. Pithy opening that assumes my position as the imparter of information, but also implies my confidence that over a beer, we could get on just fine. Declaration of the news story in one line, strongly suggesting, though absolutely not saying so, that I am first to break this story. Break. Reveal that this information comes courtesy of other major gaming sites, including a link so they don't feel overly perturbed as I summarise their story in my own words. And then there's a quote here. Quote from the person who revealed the information on their Twitter that other major gaming sites happened to notice before we did, thus getting their story up first. End quote. Divergent information from my own knowledge and understanding of the situation added to make this article more than just a link to another site uh, reporting of a tweet that, let's be honest, they most likely saw reported on a smaller site then figured they could just link to directly to the tweet and not give credit because no one's heard of smaller gaming site anyway. Do you like, do you like where this is going? It's, oh, it's, it's, it's very... It's- they're tearing the curtain down. <laughs> they certainly are. Then there's a giant image that says... Image to break up text. That's all it says. (laughs) Fourth paragraph of this bit that strongly suggests a deep cynicism of this industry, but actually feels no such malice. Reveal that actually, re-reporting a story in the style of the site I write for provides not only a service to those who primarily read this site, but also offers a chance to do a better job than the other major gaming site, whose reporting was not only dull, but made a couple of serious factual mistakes that I noticed thanks to the strong editorial standards of this site. This is, did I say Kotaku.com? It's Kotaku. It's Kotaku. Um, we're nearly there. Pleasure knowing that certain major sites will have taken the above paragraphs personally, despite their name never having even been vaguely alluded to, because they know. Moment pondering how this spoof of gaming site archetypal posts no longer works as it begins to refer to only itself. Pleasure at having spelt archetypal correctly the first time. Realisation this idea is played out. Acknowledgement that this post serves to entertain no one but the, but its author. Consideration of how editors will react when they return from the day off, or, more likely, check in during their day off, to make sure nothing like this is happening. Gratuitous link to own website. End of career. Wow. Incredible. So, so seemingly all the editors were off for the day when this went out. That's what the final paragraph seems to imply. Um, I do wonder, like, what the hell is going on over at Kotaku because they do frequently, 
they send out mixed messages, don't they? Sometimes they'll honestly report on stuff and break news, and then you'll have like Luke Plunkett or this just saying, "New new video game is is absolute nonsense, and you don't need to waste any time on it." And yeah. it's just it's literally that wording, and it's refreshing and amusing, but it is sometimes a little confusing from sort of like an editorial output. Like, what what do you expect from Kotaku? What what should you expect? people taking the piss or people reporting honestly I don't well know. when richard major sent it to me via twitter it said dear mr b bumpis please enjoy this tweet um and it was a link to kotaku's auto tweet of that article going out um mm. and then he also said perhaps it could feature in weird weird news if the page is removed i do have a saved pdf version so i mean <laughs> it does come across as though like maybe someone is like quitting today and they've just actually put a bit of almost a uh style guide a kind of a protest uh, well they, uh, they've either published the style guide or they're doing some kind of protest article and then saying f you all i'm leaving um mm-hmm. it's a very strange thing also there's a a comment down below in the discussion section that says comment that contradicts the author's post but in a passive-aggressive way to seem edgy but really i'm just fishing for upvotes and hoping people respond so i can call them out and spit vitriol at them um and i think that was actually included by the author because it was posted four minutes after the article went live so Uh, okay and then all the replies are from other people kind of in the same style like comment reply that disagrees with the original comment due to a misreading of a clause in the original comment but angrily so so you know at least everyone's getting in on it i like it but it's it's just fun it's it's fun but it's a bit strange you know and it's not video game news but it was a parody of video game news so in that sense it's one of the weirdest news we've ever had um yeah that is a weird news it is very weird very weird news uh, have you got a real weird news for us, Dick? I actually do, yes. This is from It's a Brand at Lobstar underscore A. Lobstar. Lobster. Well, with an A. I suppose it is Lobstar. I've ruined it. Sorry, It's a Brand on Aww. Twitter. That's where you can find them. Uh, this is also Kotaku. And I'm going to send you a link to the tweet. A link to the tweet. Okay. A link to the tweet because it's got a GIF in it or a GIF. I'll let you watch that. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone players found a door that instantly kills anyone who touches it. Oh, God, no, look at that. There's a gif of someone just falling down dead. It's a gif of Rambo. I think it's Rambo falling over. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, It's from Zach's Weizen, and the article is as follows. See how it lines up with what you said. Uh, Last week, the new update for Call of Duty Warzone launched. It was the start of Season 4, bringing new content to the popular Battle Royale shooter. It also seems to have added a killer door that will instantly end the life of anyone who gets too close. The dangerous door in question can be found in a salt mining facility in a large building. At first glance, the door looks boring and safe, but if you get too close to it, the door will drop your ass faster than a sniper rifle. Players are sharing video clips of this deadly door. Most players theorise this is a bug, which seems like a logical explanation to me. Others have also suggested that this bug and the deadly door might be connected to the red doors that have begun popping up in Warzone since the last major update. These red doors act as a sort of fast travel system, blah blah blah, get around, blah blah blah. However, none of these red doors are supposed to kill you the moment you touch them. So maybe this is supposed to be a red door spawn, but something has gone horribly wrong behind the scenes, somewhere deep in the code of Warzone. That wouldn't surprise me after all. Call of Duty Warzone is a huge game. 
then it goes on to talk about some other bugs in the past but there we are that's it there is a death door i don't know wow. if it's still live it was as of last sunday that if you touch it you'll just you'll go down just you tumble need to be down. revived yeah oh well rip to all of those people yeah i think most of them are running into it on purpose just yeah to it looks it. like that was definitely set up just to record the death door but uh yeah, it's a good GIF. I like that. Could watch that on loop for a long time, I think. I am. I'm watching yeah. it on loop, loop right now. What I do enjoy is that with all the technology that consoles and PC have now, yeah. and the fact that this is clearly been set up to be recorded by his teammate, that someone's just filming it off their monitor they or are. TV screen with their phone. It's like, just capture the bloody footage. What is wrong it's with you? It's so easy nowadays. Please. So easy. Come on. Oh. Come on. There we are. Yeah. That's my weird news. Good weird news. I like it. Well done, everyone. Um, Time for question three. It's from Lewis, who says, Welcome, Brian, and welcome back, Dick. Oh, thank you, Mm. Lewis. My question to you both is, have you ever bought a game where the decision was made purely on the box art? If so, what was the best game you bought in using this method? And, more importantly, which game failed miserably to live up to the exciting box art? I once bought Largo Winch Empire Under Threat on PS2 because I thought it would be a GTA clone, but I was only old enough to buy a 12 plus. It was poo. Not the worst game ever, but certainly worse than most. Best wishes for your stay on the channel, chaps. Many loves, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis, Thank for you, that. Um, so, I had to go back into the annals of the annals of history to mm-hmm. uh, think of games I bought purely based on box art because I think there came a point from sort of my 360 era onwards or your PS3 era that I would kind of inform myself via the internet or whatever before buying a game at that point or a magazine but kind of Mm -hmm. before then I would probably kind of just go into a shop see what I could see and you know read the back of the box maybe but kind of just yeah take a pun on various things so that was more of a uh, judging a book by its cover kind of period of my life um, so I certainly bought Haven Call of the King based on its box art actually um, right. it, it just looked like an interesting sci-fi game I think at that point I'd already played and enjoyed Beyond Good and Evil and I think maybe it, that this sort of looked like it might be a similar kind of thing um, so I gave that a go And despite its terrible ending, I would say that that is probably one of the better games I bought just completely on a whim, you know, based purely on looking at the case. And uh, uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed that a lot um, in spite of the ending. Um, The worst one or not. the So this is the thing. My my sort of quote unquote worst one or biggest disappointment is kind of it's it, it wasn't a bad game, but it just was not what I thought it would be. So. Long after I had finished um, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped, uh, I went into a shop and I saw the box for Crash Bash on PS1. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of this game. What is this? And I looked at it and it's got like all this like crazy action happening. Coco's riding a polar bear. Crash is on a... Crashed on a pogo stick. Tiny Tiger's there in a tank, which looked like it might be one of the boss battles. Um, I thought, oh, look at this. This looks great. And admittedly, if I'd just if I'd looked at the back of the box and really thought about it, I might have kind of cottoned on to the fact that no, 
This is not Crash Bandicoot 4 on PS1, but I was young enough and naive enough and and probably wasn't really that aware of party games um, that I just thought, yeah, I'm going to get this. I'm going to enjoy Crash Bandicoot 4. And I got home and realized, okay, yeah, there's a warp room and it's got a bit of a story, but no, no, this is a game where you play several different mini games over and over in different styles and in different locations, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it turned out to be a very good game. I think Crash Bash is actually a pretty good game as things go. It's obviously a lot of fun with multiplayer, it being a party game. It supports up to four players. You can choose like lots of different characters. Um, and even as a single player experience, some of it's a bit repetitive. But overall, I think it's uh, it's a pretty pretty decent little attempt at a party game with its own single player campaign, if you want to call it that. So... I don't want to say it was the worst game I bought based on um, box art, but it was certainly kind of the biggest difference between what I expected and what I got, and maybe initially the biggest disappointment because I, you know, I thought it was going to be Crash Four, and it wasn't. Um, but yeah, it, overall, I was impressed with it by the end. Uh, but certainly, yeah, yeah, it, it kind of took me by surprise. Uh, so, so what were yours? Well, I was very excited by the prospect of playing Guild Wars 1. And oh, I yeah. Buying that, and I think the box art got me... I couldn't... When I was Googling it, I couldn't really find it, but I seem to remember it was this sort of deep red box art, and it had, like, a cool-looking character on the front, and I was intrigued by the prospect of an MMO anyway, because I think at that point I was sort of chasing... I was chasing the high of Oblivion, having right. played that on a friend's 360, and I was like, I want that. And I was trying to find different games to let me do it. And I liked RuneScape, and the idea of an MMO that sort of looked better than RuneScape graphically wasn't, you know, a hard thing to find. But mm. Guild Wars 1, for some reason, was the one that grabbed me. Maybe it was reduced or something, and I bought it, and I remember coming home and reading the manual, and I was like, oh, I want to be a Necromancer class, because that armor looks really cool. Yeah, I like the idea of that. And unfortunately, all of the family PCs we had growing ups, uh, growing ups, Jesus, growing up, were hand-me-downs from my uh, my granddad, who was for the longest time very ahead of the curve when it came to technology. He, oh, yeah. he still has a, a Betamax player and everything, like this oh, wow. huge stack of sort of '90s and '80s audiovisual equipment um, behind the TV at, at my grandparents' house. Um, and so he was well aboard the sort of PC train and we used to just get these knackered old PCs that couldn't do anything. And mm. I should have known that it wouldn't be able to run the game, but I still had hope because I didn't really understand how PCs worked and I just I just wanted to play this game. I think that's maybe why I harbour quite a bit of resentment against ever the idea of playing games on PC. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I just it don't want to do them because I've been burned before and, uh, you know, and that's why... Perhaps I didn't understand when I was younger because it was like, well, you know, I can just put a game in my console of choice and it just works. Why can't it do? Why doesn't it work the same with the PC? It doesn't make any sense to my stupid brain. And so, yeah, that was the worst one I think that I I spent money on. Is this and... the box art in the middle? I have found a red. A yeah, red I think Guild Wars I think that must art. be it. Yeah, Guild Wars factions. Mm. Um, which I made did... 
just be an expansion, which might be why it, just, it didn't work anyway. But certainly my PC was crap. It never would have run it. I think it may have come bundled. I I got uh, I picked up Guild Wars as well from a game shop just based on the box art. I hadn't really heard of it. Um, mm. And I think initially I was hoping it was just going to be, you know, like you say, kind of oblivion um, single player game when I picked it up and, and first looked at the box. And it became apparent that it was an MMO and I'd not really played any MMOs. I was aware of, I think Warcraft, World of Warcraft was out at the time. Um, and I knew all these kids at school who were like paying monthly to play World of Warcraft. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm never going to be allowed to do that. Like I couldn't afford to do it, I don't think. Um, and I didn't want to ask my parents, please, can I pay monthly to play a video game? Because I don't think they would have gone in for that. Uh, yeah. But Guild Wars was free to play, I believe. Um, I don't remember ever paying for, uh, you know, a, an account or anything. Um, you just bought the base game. And I actually played quite a lot of Guild Wars. One thing I didn't like about that game was that um, if you completed a few of the initial main quests in the first area, then, like, the cataclysm happens, or, like, the, there's, like, an apocalypse, and then the entire world changes from quite a nice sort of pretty again oblivion-esque forest valleys mountains kind of world to this absolute wreck of a wasteland like you end up in a completely different world so i then deleted my character and made a new character um and then deliberately just like hung around in the the kind of the first half of the game or the first first world i think a lot of other people did that as well because it was just much nicer um and I just spent time like going, doing quests with friends, and uh, yeah, exploring the world in that sense, and making sure that I didn't activate the the doomsday quest. Um, but I I had fun with Guild Wars. I think I knew it was an MMO. Um, yeah, I did when I when I went to the counter and bought it. But when I first picked it up, I thought, oh, is this a you know a new fantasy RPG that I can play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I never got to play it. Never. Mm-hmm. Never even got to start it up. Wouldn't install. So that was that was the end of that. So I'd say ah. that was the worst one I, I bought on a whim. Not because yeah. the game was bad, but because my PC was bad. <laughs> uh, best one would, would probably have been uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I'd have oh, thought. yeah. That was one that I'd, I had some money, and I looked in the Argos catalog, and I saw that box art, and I was like, that looks cool. And I have never been good at Tony Hawk's, ever. Right. Like, even then, I was never good at it. I just enjoyed it and just enjoyed, like, free skate and going around and putting in the cheat to unlock Spider-Man and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that would probably be probably be the winner on that regard. There was very little... I've There weren't many occasions where I had the disposable income to just buy a game based on the box art alone. Mm. Uh, because I either didn't have the money or i was better educated on what games were and which games were bad and so right. i would i wouldn't necessarily want to buy according to box art but those are those are two examples mm. fantastic well it's time to move on to the grand finale of today's podcast yes yeah, yes something big. some call it the uh, the big discussion did the you big know discussion some uh, it, some, some yeah the big the, discussion um, Big discussion, yeah. Yeah. Big discussion time. Time for the big discussion. This big discussion comes from Richard Major, who Mm. says, Brian and Dick, 
E3 has come and gone, and something I noticed was just how many games are being released on both the new and previous generation of consoles, i.e. Far Cry 6 being on PS4 and PS5, Xbox One and Series. Do you think this is because PS5s and Xbox Series is have been in such short supply? Are developers turning PS5 games into PS4 slash PS5 games instead? Do you think this is at the detriment of the games? And do you think there are some new generation games developers are holding back on releasing until there's more consoles in people's homes? Sorry, it's quite a long-winded question, and I hope it makes sense. Regards, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Um, I would say that it's it's not uncommon for a new video game generation of hardware to come out um, and for developers to be releasing stuff on both of both both the new gen and the previous gen uh, of consoles that has happened uh, when the PS4 came out and the PS3 came out the Xbox equivalents of course as well um, so in and of itself there's nothing unusual about the fact that games are being released across both generations however to me and maybe this is maybe this is a bit of a kind of false memory or you know not not necessarily true it feels like there are fewer outright exclusive uh, next-gen games coming out at the moment. Um, certainly on uh, the PS5, there are hardly any games that are only available on PS5 and not available on PS4. Um, now, you know, again, it's also not particularly unusual for a launch lineup or even the the lineup of games in the first few months of uh, a new console's launch to be kind of slim you know it's easy to kind of look back and go oh remember all those great games that were on say the ps3 oh yeah and and to kind of almost uh sort of erroneously believe that oh i guess some of those must have been available at launch right and then you know if you actually look it up i mean Ben Potter would know, given that he's played a lot of launch lineups over the past year. Uh, yes. When when you actually look at these things, there's only like you know six games, and some of them are really like old, obscure things that never really made a had much of an impact. Like you kind of forget that they ever existed. Um, so it's it's difficult to quantify exactly how different things are right now compared to a normal console launch. But certainly, to me, it feels like there are fewer. Um, proper exclusive next-gen games at the moment. I don't know if that's because of the limited console availability. I think it might just be partly to do with the fact that you know maybe you you just sell more games if you make them available for both consoles. I, I don't think they planned ahead with um, uh, kind of knowing that oh well, there's going to be limited availability for ps5 so we better make this available on ps4 as well um i don't know if that's necessarily true but the other concern is yeah are these games now these these quote-unquote ps5 games being perhaps slightly dumbed down in a way that they're able to still run on a ps4 now i don't think i'm necessarily qualified to talk about exactly how much or how little you have to do to make a game work on a ps4 and run very nicely on a ps5 you know is it just um can it can it mostly come down to maybe not allowing it to be 4k 60 fps on ps4 and then it will sort of run okay or is there a lot more to it than that you know some of the ps5 games we've been promised look like they should not be able to run in any way shape or form 
on a PS4, for example. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say without knowing the ins and outs of uh, kind of video game development, video game hardware capabilities and so on. Um, but I, admittedly, I think I have said in recent discussions on podcasts and talking on E3 coverage and stuff that, you know, it does sometimes feel like oh, that we're maybe waiting for some really good big hitters on the PS5 and that maybe these games that are also functional on a PS4, you know, has the PS5 version been held back a little bit because they've had to make something that is, you know, kind of cross-generational in that sense. I don't know. As I say, I don't feel qualified enough to say, but uh, what do you think, Dick? Well, I'm going to try and answer each of Richard's questions in turn. Um, so in regards to releasing games on both previous and current-gen consoles, that has always been Xbox strategy. They they said that up front. They said there's going to be at least a year. They did, And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it went on longer, where all games released on uh, the series consoles would also be released on Xbox uh, One. And you can see that in the fact that there are no boxes for Xbox Series games. They're just Xbox games, and they run better on the Series consoles. And that's always been their approach. They've been very upfront about it and honest, and and that may well persist for a while. PlayStation, not so much in terms of the transparency. Uh, they did lie about it. Jim Ryan, in particular, saying that they PlayStation believes in generations and you know, separating out the games and so on, and they have absolutely not done that so Mm. far. There are, and I'm going to try and cover sort of all the arguments I've heard over the past, you know, well, since launch, basically, as we've learned that some of these games are also coming to PS4, particularly in in the... This is more sort of a PlayStation discussion, I would say, than an Xbox One, just because Xbox have been so upfront about what their approach is going to be, but certainly I, I will address... Uh, the situation in regards to both when when looking at the future and when these games might just release on on the future hardware or whatever. Um, There are 110-odd million PS4s out there, and that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's all ultimately going to be about the money. And yes, while the PS5 is outstripping PS4's success at this point in its life, the PS5 has sold more units than the PS4 this uh, this point after launch uh, in mm. both instances, we didn't see many cross-gen titles at all back then between the PS4 and the PS3. But there was a huge difference between the PS4 and the PS3's architecture, and that's not so much the case, seemingly, between the PS5 and PS4. Again, that's like true. you don't feel qualified to talk about exactly how the PS5 and PS4 works, uh, but... PS3 and PS4, extremely different systems. PS5 and PS4, not so much. Um, and that's why they're backwards compatible and so on and so forth. I would say that releasing games and designing games to so that they can work on previous-gen systems does hold the next-gen version back. I, th- I, th- I don't know how you could disagree with that. I think it certainly does. Mm. However, I won't lose any sleep over it. I'm not... Ultimately, I'm not that bothered because I know that this won't always be the case. And I think a great example of that is Cyberpunk, which they shouldn't have released an Xbox One or PS4 version. They just shouldn't. They should have just concentrated on the next-gen version and made sure that that worked, seeing as it's now come back to the PlayStation Store and they have very clear guidelines on the store listing saying, 
you're gonna have issues if you play this on a base PS4, which begs the question, why let it back on at all until it's yeah. working? But yeah. there we are. Um, I'm sure, sorry, I'm not sure that devs are taking next-gen titles and porting them backwards. I think it's very likely that these games were either developed in parallel or predominantly for the previous-gen systems before unlocking the frame rates and resolution on their next-gen counterpart. I imagine mm-hmm. that's, to massively simplify production, I imagine that's pretty much how that's gone down. Um, and we've seen some stunning games on the next-gen console so far, but it really is, I think, just the start. Considerations are being made for older hardware, um, and that will hamper the scope of next-gen releases, as I, as I said. But I'd imagine that mainly that'll come down to sort of a graphical or size of map capacity because you're still going to get the better um, load times you're still going to get the the smoother frame rates and you'll get the same story you will get largely the same experience Um, and it can be better it should be better and I think it it probably it will be better at some point but god knows why or when uh, developers and publishers will dedicate their time to the next gen only it Mm. may well be because there aren't that many or or they're sold out of these consoles they can't make enough to sell but i think it's these decisions were made long ago i don't think they're sort of reacting to u-turns yeah i don't think i don't think they're just sort of reactionary crap there aren't enough ps5s out there make horizon forbidden west available on ps4 as well i think it's purely out of money this was probably always the plan i get that it's disappointing because a lot of people have saved up and you know, next-gen consoles are hard to get, and then it begs the question, well, why why bother if these games aren't as good as they could be and they're, you know, I can just play them on the console I already have? And I think the answer is this This next-gen, as it stands in these very early days, isn't necessarily about the biggest, you know, it, what am I trying to say? It's not going to be the huge leap and it isn't the huge Mm. leap that we've seen in previous generations it's not that it's about i think quality of life experiences you know it running faster it looking better it feeling better to play and yes on ps5 you also have the dual sense and some other things and doodads and whatever that uh, and on xbox you have the the ability to you know switch between games and suspend them and so on like there's it's all that stuff it's about making games better to play and you can't dispute that those cross-gen titles are better to play on the next gen. I know a lot of people who played Assassin's Creed Valhalla on previous-gen hardware, and they had all sorts of bugs and issues, and I didn't have a single issue on PS5. Yeah. I think that is what is going to be you know, the, the selling point of playing on next gen. And yes, when we finally break away from the previous gen and you get these games that are built from the ground up for Xbox Series consoles and PS5, they're going to be... Flipping stunning and incredible. But we already have stunning and incredible looking games already this this soon after launch. Um, it's quite unprecedented actually that we have, especially on PlayStation, that there are so many exclusives coming out within the first year of the console's life cycle. I mean, you go back to previous launch you know, windows and years, you get maybe one or two exclusives mm-hmm. and that would sort of tide you over and it took a while for the console to get up and running. And it is disappointing that these these some of these exclusives will also be available on the last gen uh, from sort of a selfish, well, I've got a next-gen console. I want it to be the very best it can be. But I think if you, honestly, if you didn't tell someone 
that say God of War was also available on PS4 and you gave them the PS5 version, they'd be like, yes, this is it. Finally, we're yeah. here. The PS5 the version, it's incredible. But then you say PS4 version's available and they're like, oh, it was rubbish now. It's rubbish. Yeah, when you said, you know, it's no it's no bad thing or you're not going to lose any sleep over the fact that some of these games are going to be cross-generational. You're right. Like, if you... We all know that when any given generation launches, uh, the games that come out initially compared to the games that come out at the end of that life cycle, you know, it's night and day. You know, the 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 the, the software improves over time, uh, you know, across the entire generation, and that's what's happened with the PS4 and the Xbox One. The games that are coming out now, it's you know, the end of its life cycle, are much better than the ones that launched with it. Um, and likewise, the the PS5 games uh, are, you know, probably nowhere near as stunning as they will be towards the tail end of the PS5. So uh, it, it's no bad thing that a game is coming out on that borderline, like, you know, on the fringe between the two consoles, because we're at a at the top end of PS4 now, um, and... Uh, the games that are being released are, are are very good. It's not like the PS5 releases are being held back to kind of mid-tier PS4 quality. You know, we're, we're really at the cutting edge now of the the previous generation. So, yeah, it, it's not holding it back as much as I think some people might be fearing. Mm-hmm. I'd naturally, as I imagine most people would, prefer to be able to play those games unshackled from mm, considerations course, yeah. for previous hardware obviously but yeah I, d- I don't think it's i don't think it's as big a deal as a lot of people are saying um we will get there and i'm sure the games will still be fantastic anyway and you'll still have a better experience than people on previous gens i do trust developers that are making most developers who are making cross gen titles to make sure that the you know the 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 next gen version is the best one and that it yeah. plays the best and that it in as many ways as they can possibly ensure it isn't held back uh that's still going to happen of course and there will always be that lingering thought of well what if what if it wasn't what if they weren't making a previous gen version yeah. what if it was just designed from the ground up for this hardware and we've seen that a few times on ps5 so far those games have looked brilliant and they've played fantastically. They've reviewed really well. But part of me also wonders, you know, how hard would it be for them to lengthen those load times, lower that frame rate, and get it on PS4? I imagine it's doable. I think they could probably do it if they wanted to. Uh, I hope they don't, because I think people should experience the game, you know, in the way that the developers designed it and intended for it to be played. Demon Souls is sort of what I'm alluding at here. Mm-hmm. But... I still think it's possible for those games to to pop up on on last gen hardware if if the decision was made. I don't know. I'm not I'm not overly asked. I would I would prefer these games to just be on 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 the next gen consoles as I'm sure everyone would, but you know, it won't be like this forever. And yeah. as they make more of these consoles, more people will have them. And uh that could be it. Richard could be right. It could be a purely financial decision based on hardware availability but i imagine it's largely because well there's tens and tens and tens of millions of these other consoles out there why not sell it to both markets yeah yeah just sell more games that way it's simple it's the same decision that leads some people to go um you know multi multi multi-platform you know to go uh 
uh, non-exclusive. Um, yeah, you you just sell more games that way. Yep. Yep. But there we are. Let us know what you think in the comments and tweeting us and so on. Brian, mm. that's your name, is. is going to... I really struggled. Brian <laughs> is going to tell you where you can find Triple Jump around the internet. Thank you, Richard. Yes. We are available everywhere at Team Triple Jump. That's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump for our live streams and video content. When we're streaming uh, on both of those channels, we're modded by Lob Rotovich, Madstadactyl, and Trowling Badger. And remember, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is a free Twitch sub. So you can use that on us. You get all the normal benefits. We benefit from it financially in the normal way. Everyone's a winner. Uh, we've got social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Thank you to Fraser, our community manager, for looking after Facebook, alongside Luke Eldon, who's been there for a while as well. Thank you both. Uh, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where you can access our Patreon, of course. Lots of different tiers there uh, with many, many rewards, including, of course, asking questions on this podcast. The website is triplej.mup. That's triplej.mp. If you go to triplej.mup forward slash discord, that will send you straight to our discord, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollowise. Thank you, gang. Uh, triplej.mup forward slash podcast will send you to uh, where you can get the, the audio version of the podcast if you're watching on YouTube right now. Triplej.mup forward slash VODs will redirect you to our YouTube channel where all of the VODs are uploaded. And finally, go to triplejumpshop.com uh, and or follow Triple Jump Shop on Twitter for all the latest on our shop. Um, new merch on its way in due course. Yes, absolutely. You can follow Brian on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude we do lists every tuesday wednesday and thursday streams every monday thursday and friday thursday being the joint stream blaze it on youtube monday and friday being solo streams on twitch worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons of a certain tier sunday for everyone else uh, the podcast is every saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts why not leave a review on itunes or your platform of choice it helps something to do with al gore's rhythms this week it is a worst games ever week isn't that right brian it is. We've not recorded it yet, but oh, I bet it's a good one. Just, just going to say that anyway because they're all good, right? Yeah, it's great. All of them. All uh, of so the that that was out as we said. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, on yeah. Friday for for patrons of the hot and fresh tier, um, and Sunday for everyone else. So check it out now already if you're a patron, or check it out then if you're not. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We have now also officially wrapped up all of our E3 coverage. The, there was a list that went out earlier in the week, so we hope you enjoyed it all. Thank you so mm. much for tuning in, and thank you to our team as well thank for helping everybody. us yeah. cover all that. Uh, finally, triplejump.gg. Mentioned it at the top of the show. You want digital currency? Go there. Triplejump.gg. That's how you mm. do it. Brian, just enough time to cover this week's sponsor once again. Uh, coming soon to a lie factory near you, abandoned colon Silent Hills by Hideo Kojima. It's mm. it's coming, or is it? No, it's not. Unless it is, which it might be, but it probably isn't. They're saying okay. it isn't, but you know, you know, who, who's to say? We'll find out. I don't know. Be- between now and the next podcast, won't Go we? Flipping out. Yeah, I suppose we will. Won't we? Oh, we will. Download cool. the app now. Yes. 
Or don't. No. We're not your mum. Nah. Right. Catch you later, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.